0: Hi, I'm Ali and I'm Penny and you're listening to Not
1: Too Busy To Write, the podcast about writing, publishing and creativity amongst life's many other demands.
0: So this week we're going to be talking about um, prioritising creativity and protecting creative time Um, and one good place to start I think probably is what even is that? What is creativity? What is creativity to us? And what is, um, and what does it mean to us to kind of protect our creativity? Um, and Ali, do you wanna start? What does it mean to you when I say that, your creative time?
1: Yeah, I think creative time, it's a tricky um, concept because it can mean so many things. Uh, for me, it doesn't just mean the time that I'm physically Creating. So it's not just the time that I'm sitting writing. That's um like the tip of an iceberg, really. There's so much more involved in my creativity. Um I would also factor into that the time for thinking, the time for ideas, the time for processing, the time for making new connections between things as well. Um, so it's quite a big thing, it's actually quite a big chunk of my life, I think, that I spend thinking about new things thinking about new ways of doing things um so yeah a lot of my life I think is spent trying to be creative whereas it might not actually look like it's active it's not necessarily a lot of my life is spent making new things but it's spent doing the things that contribute towards being able to make the thing yeah
0: so (laughs) should we start by talking about then what we both do um, to feel creative that's outside of the actual sitting down to writing, like, um, like the things that we actively seek out
1: Absolutely. to get ideas.
0: Yeah. Um, for me, um, I mean, there's lots and lots of different things. And interestingly, because I've always had a creative career, um, way in all my years as a photographer, interestingly, I didn't get really my creative inspiration from other photography. Um, almost never, actually. I did look at a lot of other photography because I needed to understand the market and my place in the market and, you know, all of that kind of thing, um, which is really important when you're a creative business owner. But um, in terms of creativity, I have always used other art forms to be inspired. And I think I, I have a really uh, wide place I get my creative um, energy from, I guess, and get my ideas from. Um, for me, it's been always been film all my life, like from when I was tiny and I come from a film family. And so film was a very big part of my childhood um, and it's continued through till i mean now i'm more likely still to watch film than tv which is a little bit unusual these days mm. i don't think it's necessary it's not that common anymore i'm always really baffled by how much time people put in tv into tv not because it's not good there's amazing tv now there really yeah, is there really but is. it's really long form storytelling i mean really really long form if you're talking about an american series it's like often 18 episodes for a, um, a series, which to me, I just like, um, I just, the, 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 um, the format of film, I find is such an incredible format. You know, within two hours-ish, you have a complete story. Um, and I love that format. Um, and reading, obviously, is a huge thing for me and always has been. And it was when I was a photographer as well, not just now that I'm a writer. Um, But then also visual arts as well. But that's obviously something that we don't have so much easy access to right at the moment. Um, But it's just interesting. If I really distill it down, it's really all about storytelling. I look for other stories everywhere. Um, And whether that's through film or through um, reading or through visual arts, to me, that's what creativity is about personally to me
1: yeah that's really interesting um particularly with film because it is it's just another story isn't it the way that I get my creativity or the way that I feel in a place where I can get new ideas is through other people I am like a complete nightmare if I go out for dinner my husband is always like can you pay attention to me I will be listening to Every other conversation that I can possibly hear. I love listening into people. I love people watching. I love looking at what people are wearing, at what they're doing, at what they're saying. I love like just sitting on a train and eavesdropping into people's conversation, the different dialect, the way they speak. Mm. That to me is a massive thing and it's been a massive loss because we just can't do it just now. Um, And even when you are out and about, you only see people's eyes you don't see the rest of their face yeah and you're seeing because we're just in the neighborhood you're seeing very much kind of the same people every day you're not seeing a big mix I love seeing a big mix of people diverse people hearing different languages different accents seeing all the different ways that people are dressed um that's why I love living in a city because I love that and yeah that's just not there you know
0: you know what I also miss which is so strange because I'm sure a lot of people disagree with me tourists I miss <laughs> yeah. seeing tourists I know that sounds so weird but it's such a part of living in London that um it's just so weird not seeing people who don't live here you know mm-hmm. all I see is people who live in my neighborhood And, you know, you see the same people over and over again, even if you don't know them. But this idea of like being in town where you see people who are lost (laughs) and who don't know their way around and who are experiencing the city in a really Mm -hmm. different way than you're experiencing it. I know it's so, it's such a loss, isn't it? It's such a huge loss. Um, And one of my favourite, favourite things to do, um, and in normal times I'm pretty good about doing this, I always take time out when my kids are in school, um, if I don't have an urgent deadline, I and I do regularly do this, go into town and take myself on artist dates. Yeah. <laughs> um, is a concept that comes from um Julia Cameron's book, The Artist Way, which I read tw- 20 years ago now, actually. And I've been doing it since then, although obviously not nearly so much as I did pre-kids. But um going into town and it is, it's like people watching mm-hmm. and um and it's almost like you're kind of window shopping a bit, but like not of things, but of like people. <laughs> um, and maybe going maybe going to a gallery or going to the cinema, which I'm a big fan of going to the cinema alone during the day. That's like one of my favourite things in the whole world to do. Me too. Um, mm-hmm. And just completely enveloping yourself in another world and another story. But also mm-hmm. at the same time, you get to be in town and you get to walk and you get to see, you know, the architecture and you get to people watch and, oh, it's just... There's just nothing better, and I can't wait to get back to that. But, yeah, it's, um, it's funny. It's like not um, creativity doesn't necessarily come from the same genre you're working in.
1: Oh, definitely not. Um, I love, um, I think, in terms of other art forms that I get creativity from or feel inspired by, it's definitely um, by going to a gallery just an art gallery and walking around and particularly modern art I like art that I've got to work out I like art that is difficult and doesn't have um its ideas you know like I'm fine with a painting but I like something that's different that makes me think hang on what are the doing here what's happening what is this trying to say Um, and I think that that feeds back into my own work because there's never one way to write a story there's never one way to write a scene there's simply walking around that scene and then trying to work out how you're going to get this onto the page Mm -hmm. how you're going to tell the story and I think that there's a lot of modern art that's the same that it's it's demands you particularly if it's an installation it demands that the viewer walks around it and considers it from all different angles and as a writer that's what you're doing with your work you're constantly thinking what is the best way to convey the story what's the best way to get this down so I find that like when I go to an art gallery I feel the same as if I've been like walking in a forest for a while I have the exact same feeling as if I've been in nature because I've just been somewhere else and then it just allows the brain to make new connections and those sparks that are needed to think something new or to view something in a new way
0: Mm. well that's such an interesting way of putting it and it's funny I was talking to somebody the other day about this um uh, another writer and I was saying oh I've been a um a photographer for many years and she was like oh right so it's the same thing and i was like oh thank you so much for saying that people often don't realize that like mm-hmm. being a writer and being a photographer are actually not that dissimilar strangely it's a different medium but you know in photography you tell stories with light and in writing you tell stories with words and mm-hmm. that's the only difference the medium you're using um you know cuz she was saying to me oh right so yeah you're used to storytelling and i was like yeah i'm used to storytelling it's just it's just a different way of doing it. And I think that's how I view lots of other mediums of art. It's just different ways of telling stories. Um, and I think um, we can find that everywhere. We can find it absolutely everywhere. Um, everywhere we go, we can find it.
1: Yeah, I think that's really important to realise as well, because I know that I, I kind of hit a block a couple of weeks ago where I was feeling really like the least creative I felt in a long time I was feeling really in a rut um and yeah nothing really felt particularly like it was working I felt really stuck and I think it was I suddenly realized that this all the external things that I found stimulating are gone they're completely gone Mm. and I don't find walking I used to walk a lot um to think things over and to Uh, lines would come to me as I was walking even if I wasn't thinking about it I think long walks without a mobile phone or without looking at your phone and without music in your ears are really important I really loved them and now obviously I think I'm walking with the kids so walking wasn't doing it either and yet I realized I was in this real um, rut but you are right stories and ideas and inspiration can come from anywhere and actually when I was in that rut I booked to virtually go to see an event with Max Porter and George Saunders Mm. in conversation and I think it was that that kind of got me out of it because they were talking about editing and they were talking about writing and they were talking about things that I hadn't thought it was new ideas and that was really what I needed were just those new ideas. And so, yeah, even in the midst of everything closing down, other things are opening up.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. Okay, so maybe we can then touch on what what we're doing right now to get those things. And I think, I totally agree. I think online events, it's just so incredible how accessible they've become. Yeah. Um, I think, I'm pretty sure it's still up there, but the Hay Player is just incredible. Um, and that's, you know, Hay's a pain of a festival to get to. It's like, you know, oh. it's in the middle of nowhere, um, but it's brilliant and I've gone loads and it's such an incredible event. And the idea that that's now really accessible to people mm-hmm. is so brilliant. Um, last year, all of Cheltenham was up online and accessible, I think for 10 quid or something like that. Um, there's so many events that we can, that we can get to that we didn't used to be able to get to now, which is brilliant. Um, but there's also um, so many like workshops and stuff that are happening mm-hmm. online as well, which I think if you're feeling a bit stuck, a workshop with the right person can mm-hmm. really just like shift things and get things moving again, don't you think?
1: Yeah, I think completely. I'm a big fan of, I've never done an online workshop. Uh, but I'm a big fan of literary events and I think you're so right there's so many of them online and actually being a parent I always kind of limited how many events I would go to because you know there's bedtime and there's all the other things and going to an event actually takes up quite a lot of time because you've got to get there yeah and You've got to make sure that you're there on time and then you've got coming home and and, and so it, it just is a whole evening gone. Whereas with online events, you can sit down a couple of minutes before, join the call, and then you're there for an hour and it only takes an hour. So yeah. they're much more accessible. and um, so I think it's great. Um, um I think that um Edinburgh International Book Festival, I think their players still up. They've got a whole bank of incredible events, brilliant authors. I've watched a lot of them, it's um, Paisley Book Festival just now, and I'm going to an event tonight with Andrew O'Hagan and Douglas Stewart, which I'm really excited about, Mm -hmm. and it's like these things that I couldn't have gone to Paisley Book Festival before, but now I can, and it's just, that's so lovely. It's
0: really lovely, so we'll put all of these in the show notes so you can see what's accessible um, at, at the moment. Some of them have small fees attached, but they're often really reasonable i think the hay player is maybe 10 pounds for the whole year or something like that and there's like hundreds of things on there in fact actually i think they've got loads of past events too on there i'll have to just double check that but we'll put that in the show notes um but yeah so this is a really upside of what's happening at the moment all of these events are accessible And in terms of workshops i've done an arvin one because arvin are doing Mm. um the writer's retreat Place and Writing School is doing them all online at the moment, and they're doing these workshops, which are just an hour and a half or so. You know, um, so that's just so much more accessible because they're quite good value, um, mm-hmm. and it doesn't take too much time, and it can really spark you off. And sometimes they're with incredible writers, really, really incredible writers. I've
1: seen a few of them and did fancy them. It's just been. <laughs> typically being pushed for time but yeah they look really good um five times 15 are the organization that I saw Max Porter and John Saunders with and they've got some amazing things coming up now that I've subscribed to their emails I'm constantly tempted to go to other things and I think that that's great and also musicians have done online gigs mm-hmm. so we saw the twilight Sad just before christmas uh playing at and More, which is an amazing venue in glasgow and again that would have been a gig that we would have been like oh i wish we were still in scotland and then we would have needed a babysitter yeah. and everything but we could watch it just in the front room and you have that kind of post gig high as well afterwards so it, there are a music outside. one yet it's online really good I'd recommend it yeah I, I was like it's not going to feel like a gig and of course you didn't have like flat red stripe and sticky floors. <laughs> no, and I was gonna say no sticky floors I mean actually yeah. we could
0: probably stimulate <laughs> simulate the uh, sticky floors
1: My, yeah not <laughs> with not much difficulty in my house but um yeah it was brilliant and we watched Mogwai last week as well and that was amazing so it actually if you put all the lights off it it doesn't feel too bad
0: yeah Yeah, I have to say I have nerded out quite a lot on literary events this past year but I yeah I must try some music that's a really really good idea yeah so I find that helps
1: but I think also it's important sometimes to not underestimate the power of imagination yeah um and when it comes to creativity quite often creativity comes from hard times if you Mm. look at the history of literature um there's always good things come from bad times and for me i ever since i've been little i've used my imagination as a way to hide from what's going on (laughs) and so i tend to tunnel inwards and Although I was feeling really uninspired a couple of weeks ago, I think I was also probably really tired, Mm. which makes a difference. Um, But, yeah, I find I've I've definitely gone in inside, into my imagination. I've gone back to old ideas because I can't. I've just gotten no new ideas, but I've gone back to all things. You say
0: things. that, but we've had conversations where you're re you're, you're, you're seeing some old work in a completely new light. And yeah. to me, that's still a very, it's like something, like something has clicked with an old project, right? I mean, that's incredibly creative and powerful to have something that's been sitting there in the back of your mind for a very long time and suddenly understand where it needs to go.
1: Yeah. I, I, I suppose that is almost the definition of creativity, really, isn't it? That it's not necessarily just coming up with new things. It's it's learning how to look at old things in a new way. Mm, so, yeah. yeah, maybe I have been, and I think it's been really useful because there's been a couple of things that I really wanted to work on that I'm, I find are definitely Getting developed, they're they're incubating. I suppose is how you describe it when things are just cooking away. Mm. That they're, they're there and they're growing. Uh, and I don't think they would have been if there was so much else still happening. Because I would probably be out in town and going to art galleries and doing all the things that I really want to do. Yes. So, yeah. yeah.
0: Because there's a tipping point at which those things are a distraction. Because mm-hmm. I think it needs there needs to be a combination of um, and also perhaps different times when you're in that mode where you're taking in a lot Mm -hmm. of other people's work and ideas um, and you're sparking off those things. And there are going to be, and then there has to be times when you're processing all of that as well. For me, one of the things I miss most at the moment is not commuting. I really, really miss that. I do a lot Mm -hmm. of thinking when I'm commuting. So in normal times, I have a desk space that I share in a friend's studio in, um, it's about a 35 or 40 minute walk I could get on the train and be there in 10 minutes but it's not enough time for me I actually mm-hmm. walk it instead on purpose so I have that 40 minute gap um, I get so, I solve so many creative problems on that commute and it also provides a buffer between home and work as well which I find really really helpful but that I miss that a lot um, and then the other thing is because I'm when I'm shooting I'm often driving outside of London on my own, and I might be driving to Cornwall, which is from where I am it's at like five hours and I might spend the first hour or two listening to an audiobook sometimes I listen to an audiobook the whole way um, it's a great way of getting through books by the way driving to Cornwall mm-hmm. <laughs> but sometimes i I have done three or four hours of the drive on my own thinking about a project mm-hmm. um, and it's Just incredible how things can come together when you're forced to have this time to kind of just almost daydream about it, I guess. So I do I do really miss those. So what I'm doing at the moment is I'm I'm having lots of showers, (laughs) long showers (laughs) and baths. Um, and I am doing some shorter walks, but I'm not doing that regular routine commute, Mm -hmm. which I am really looking forward to having back again but um, yes I'm not getting quite as much as I would usually be getting but I think it's still really um, important to remember it has a purpose and it has a really important purpose in our working lives and I don't just mean you know writers either I think you know if you're a business owner then you're doing something very creative. Mm-hmm. And if you are um, an, an academic or anything like that, you know, you're doing really creative thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, so I think this is not just important for people who do art um, and design and things like that um, and writing. I think this is really important for anyone who does any kind of creative thinking in their work. This idea that, um, that it's, you have to kind of see it as part of the process And so it needs to be time that's ring-fenced just like time to actually sit down and write is ring-fenced. I think we also need to remember that um, we don't write in a complete bubble and that that we might need some other time as well, whether that's time to process and think Mm -hmm. or whether that's time to consume other people's work as well.
1: Yeah, and and realising, like you said, that that time is variable and will shift. So Mm -hmm. at the moment, I'm in a stage where I'm reading a lot. I'm I'm reading more this year than I think I've read in years. I'm reading loads. But I know that when I'm deeper into a project, I'll ease off on that. I don't necessarily read very much when I'm really deep in my own work. So I'm kind of at that stage of, yeah, filling up, filling up the creativity, filling up thinking about how I want to approach what's next. Um, and yeah, you you have to protect that. You have to realize that you're not going to get the ideas or the words down if you don't have that um, unconscious time, that time where you basically aren't actively thinking about something it's not like you go for a walk thinking this is the problem i must solve i must Mm -hmm. solve it because then you're putting pressure on your brain and you're not going to make the connections you need that loose time to actually just play and to just and the process of moving that motion seems to do something to you and that's what i really miss i really miss those long walks and bizarrely what i find at the moment is working is cooking I, yes.
0: Oh, that works for me too. Yeah. That totally works for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cooking definitely. And I'm sure there are lots of people out there who find things like gardening and DIY yes. have the same effect. It's that yes. whole thing of doing something with your hands. Mm-hmm. Perhaps it's something you've done quite a lot of times before. So you don't really have to engage yeah. um, that really kind of hyper aware part of your brain. You can be slightly in automatic mode and there is something about being on or slightly on autopilot
1: it is, it's that, that just thing, yeah. Allows you to process other things. Mm-hmm. It's amazing, but I find as well with cooking because it's such a visceral experience. Like I love cooking. I would cook um all day and the children would be really happy if I did. <laughs> I just I love it. I love cooking. And there's something about the The different colors of ingredients of what you're working with, the different smells, the act of chopping, chopping things up, washing things. It's very physical and a very um, visual process as well. It's a really immersive process. Mm -hmm. And I think it is because you're so immersed in it. That somehow there's always a stage when I'm cooking that I've got to run off and get my notebook because I've got something new has happened or something has clicked and something has connected. And um yeah, so I find that I am cooking a lot at the moment. It's not just because we're all at home and there's a lot more people to feed. Yeah, I just it's kind of my it's my little excuse because it looks like I'm doing good for other people, but I'm actually still doing that creative work is me ring fencing my time whilst pulling great dishes out of the oven so it works yeah
0: it's so true isn't it and then I think um I think other domestic things can be put into this category as well but it is different once you've got loads of people interrupting you all the time yeah it doesn't work very well
1: no I don't find Actually, to be honest, I don't find any other domestic thing that can do the same thing. Unless I'm on my own, I used to always clean on a Sunday um, when there were places for the kids to go. I would really like to just blitz the house, and it did do similar, but there was no interruptions because yeah, that's the difference around isn't it? yeah yeah. So obviously,
0: that's obviously a huge challenge for everybody at the moment. And I would have to say, I have to say, if you do have a partner, um, do insist. <laughs> on on taking turns to take the children out of the house so that you can and also go out of the house on your own um where that's possible to just get and even if you're running errands and driving and um or doing domestic work it is amazing what it does to your brain to help you process all of the things that you're consuming for the yes. rest of the time um yeah i i love having a bit of alone time after i've put a book down to just yes. <laughs> let it all sink in um, but so in terms of protecting that time, I think um, really, a lot of it is about um, shifting your mindset to include that as part of your work, mm-hmm. whether that's paid or unpaid because lots of us are working on things that are uh, currently unpaid, um, but I still call that work by the way um, uh, and I have right from the beginning of my career um, as a photographer i've considered the time that I spend looking at other people's art to be part of my work mm. and not separate from it. Um, and again, maybe this is the advantage of having been freelance in the cre- in some kind of creative industry for a very long time. I don't have any problems with allowing myself to um, watch a film or read a book or whatever that's very enjoyable, but also um, might inform the way I work. Um, and prioritizing that because I've that's a practice that I've had for many, mm-hmm. many, many years. Um, I don't think. Um, I think maybe some people do create incomplete bubbles. I don't know. I think most of us probably just go into bubbles sometimes when necessary, but spend the rest of our time living in the real world, looking outwards as well. Um, and so, yeah. for me, it's as important as the time that I spend sitting down and doing the work.
1: Mm-hmm. It's exactly the same for me. I've never been so protective. I've had to learn to let myself see it as work. Um, But I very much see if I'm sitting down and reading a book, if I am watching. For me, it's TV. I'm the opposite to you. I love the visual nature of films. I think films still kind of get the visuals a lot better than TV. But I love the long, slow form of storytelling that you get in a TV series. Yeah, I love it. I really love it because I think it's a real challenge as to how you keep the viewer engaged. And I see watching TV, um, not everything that I watch on TV, but there certain <laughs> things that I watch on TV that I do see that as work. And sometimes actually in work time, I'll put it on to with a notebook and work out what's happening in every scene and where the beat is and what they're doing. Um and yeah, so I do see that as work and I do see things that kind of fire off new ideas as work as well, and as just as important because if I'm not doing them, I'm not gonna be getting words on a page at some stage. So they are really important. Weirdly, I also see um this is maybe taking it to a new level, but I see dreaming is quite important, so mm. sleep's quite important because I have had so many ideas from dreams um that's interesting so I try I don't all the time but when I do have a dream that I feel is more than just a dream that something is always there's there'll be dreams that kind of speak to you and you yeah that's sort of they're...
0: something's bubbling under your subconscious trying to get out <laughs> yes
1: and sometimes that's the only time that you actually have time to listen and that might be mm. I've read a lot of people saying that they're having weird dreams just now and of course we've got so much to process and that's obviously our processing time but it also might be the only time that people have to think and to to get into that kind of trance state to be able to make new connections but yeah i will write down dreams and i'll write down ideas that i've had from dreams in a kind of notebook just to bank them because sometimes i think that i mean sometimes i'm in dreams i'll tell myself i'll be like this is amazing this is the best best thing i've ever thought up and then i'll wake up and be like that was really really crap it just will have been utter nonsense so when I'm congratulating myself in a dream that usually means just ignore that dream but if I have a dream that is deeply strange I will write it down and I will go back to it and see what I can do with it there you go
0: so it's been a lucrative time for you yeah
1: I actually haven't been having as weird dreams as I usually have yeah I I
0: did last spring when everything kicked off my god I I was definitely one of those people that was like having the weird dreams for sure
1: yeah I think in lots of ways my childhood of growing up in a cult and believing that the end of days was imminent has been (laughs) bizarrely quite good training for this because I'm like all right okay I can deal with this I know what to do it's, um, i've yeah, been prepared it's, i know i
0: this <laughs> this is this is my destiny so it's been a lot less
1: <laughs> the horror of it has been um less since i was like this is it i always knew this was going to happen so um yeah my dreams last year were quite bizarre but then i had covid as well so i think fever dreams are always interesting they are
0: you know actually when i was a kid i used to get tonsillitis a lot from between five and ten when i had them taken out um but they, they sort of, I don't know what it's like now, but they used to leave it as long as possible before they took them out because they weren't sure if it was that good for you to have them out. And, um, and every single time without fail, and I used to get it about, I used to get tonsillitis maybe three times over the winter every year without, without fail every single time I'd have a massive fever dream. Mm -hmm. And then I'd wake up in the morning with a sore throat and I'd be like, I know I have tonsillitis because this happens every single time. (laughs) But yeah, I still remember some of them. They were so mental. But um, yes, no, that's interesting. Gosh, that's really interesting. Um, so I guess what both of us are saying is that we take our creative time very seriously, whether or not we are actually putting words on the page or not.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You've got to take it seriously because I, like, I'm a firm believer that your ideas come from outside of you. Ideas um, come from seeing something, somebody, hearing something. I it, I know it's often said that all writing is born out of a problem. Writing mm. is problem solving. You are trying to work something out or you are trying to say something. You're trying to work out why the world's the way it is. You're, you're trying to solve these problems. Um, so yeah, you need the outside. to be able to take it inside you and make something new or make something that appears and you make these different connections so yeah there needs to be that and then allowing that
0: time for those connections to happen in your brain uninterrupted as well yeah 100 percent um i just before in between lockdown two and three when things were open what for like three weeks or something in early december whenever Mm -hmm. it was i went into town and i had a proper day in town yeah. where I was just like, I just, I just need to be around strangers, socially distant, obviously with masks on <laughs> um, and I went into um, bookstores and I just, I, I just, I had to do my thing cause I knew that it was all going to shut down again. Yeah. Um, um, and it was just, I don't know. It's funny. It's like um, sometimes the most important thing to do is not to be more productive sometimes the important thing to do is to kind of stop and, um, and allow yourself to just absorb
1: Mm -hmm. somehow. Yeah. I think, completely right i think also it's about reframing how we define productivity because we're so conditioned by capitalism Mm. to see productivity as words on a page or as a thing being made or as dinner or you know there's got to be this tangible output for us to think that we've been productive Mm. whereas it is just as productive at times to go for a walk um yeah i used to when i was working with clients Um, say that you're never going to have a good idea at your desk just leave your desk when you're stuck go away and do something somewhere else Uh, I did the same thing um, in between lockdowns went to see the lights at the tape it was just amazing And then walked along the South Bank just in dusk and took photos and just the sheer joy of being around people it's just amazing it's 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 just just,
0: incredible isn't it I know I can't I just can't wait I absolutely can't wait to be on a crowded street safely by the way right a second but safely be on a crowded street it's just um I'm so and in a cafe Oh, oh my god I can't wait to be in a cafe
1: I can't wait either, but I think it's <laughs> it's like that yearning that we can actually take and put in our work. Because when you want something, yeah. when you really, really want and need, it's become this tangible need for other people as well. When you want and need something, it does something when you can translate that into the page, yeah. into your sentences, into that, just that... Yearning, so I suppose that's another thing that can come out of this. But I know yeah. that it is exceptionally difficult, and that many, many people are finding it hard to keep up the creativity at the moment, which yeah. is absolutely well, understandable. Also,
0: keeping up productivity, and I think that's a really good point you made about productivity not just being about sitting down and pumping out all the word words. Although obviously that is a big part, an important part of what we need to do, but it's not the only part. And I think. Um, like, for instance, over Christmas, I took a complete break from every bit of writing. I didn't write a single thing, I don't think, including like not even any Instagram posts or newsletters or anything, I don't think, for two weeks, maybe even two and a half weeks. Um, I read, I think, 12 books instead. <laughs> and I took a bath, I think, every single day. <laughs> because obviously there was nothing else to do because we're in lockdown. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I went for some walks and, and that was it. Um, and it took me a while to get started again after that in those early weeks of January, particularly because actually we were just having a particularly difficult time in our house anyway. But um, that was not wasted. It was actually exactly what I needed. I needed to have a complete shut off. I would was in the middle of working on a proposal and I needed to just completely shut my brain off Mm -hmm. for a couple of weeks and go into a different mode completely, which involved reading in a very wide range of, and very unusually wide range of genres actually. (laughs) Um, And it was amazing. It was exactly what I needed. And I think, and partly I'm perhaps maybe used to doing this because my work as a photographer is very seasonal. So I have works where I'm fair times of the year when I'm very productive and I'm producing a huge amount of work and doing a lot of invoicing. Um, and then other times of the year where I am not just because naturally I'm not, um, and I am quite used to that. And in and so for years and years and years now, I've had this kind of natural peaks and troughs mm. throughout the year. So I'm quite accustomed to it um, because I know a lot of people are not comfortable with that. If you come, if your work um, outside of writing has been more consistent throughout the year, if you have like a consistent level of demand on you in your other work throughout the year and you're used to working that way, it can be um, quite terrifying to have this this idea that you are sometimes working and sometimes not (laughs) can Mm -hmm. be maybe a bit more challenging but um I find that it's actually I thrive on that I really thrive on that where I have um, times of the year where I'm just not doing a certain kind of work and other times of the year where I'm doing masses of it Mm
1: -hmm. and it works really well for me I think that's the point is that you have to find what works for you and you can listen to people talking and you can read advice and but ultimately it is is well how do I work because it's your own creativity Mm -hmm. um so everyone's going to be creative in different ways and find different ways to get to putting the words on the page um I'm definitely someone who is terrified by the idea of time off I also get very grouchy and very grumpy when I am working I'm really really rubbish I'm I'm just like a bear with a sore (laughs) head and um it has been known that on days when I've said I'm gonna have a day off that I my husband might have told me that not to do that and to go away and work (laughs) because I'm just in such a grumpy mood so um Yeah, but I did take some time off at Christmas, I think I took three or four days, which for me is like, that's like a lot of time, and I really enjoyed it too, I like, I read crime novels, and I ate Christmas cake, and I loved it and so I think there is a lot to be said for learning how to slow down and maybe at times going against your natural inclination and at times perhaps trying to unpick why why you're scared of stopping yeah. why what is it that is really going on underneath because everybody does need downtime um definitely. <laughs> I'm very bad at acknowledging that it's
0: so funny isn't it yeah it's really funny
1: so talking of downtime um what have you been reading this week you've been reading anything new I've read so many things
0: that to the point I'm like
1: (gasps) what do I talk about (laughs)
0: Um, I think I'm going to talk about um I just read um I'm just going to pull it up actually so that I make sure I get all the details right um Girl A by Abigail Dean
1: you, I'm desperate to read it oh, oh my god, god. Is it. Must read it. <laughs> it's yeah. so
0: good it's so good for anyone who hasn't heard of it it's just come out I think it only just came out a few weeks ago yeah it is um I actually listened to the audiobook um because it's been a very crazy couple of weeks in my house um so I haven't had quite as much sitting reading time um and it's read by Holiday Granger, who I love. And, in fact, actually, a few, the last few audiobooks I've listened to, and I wanted to mention this, have been all being performed by uh, Northern actresses. And, oh, God, it's such, it just it makes you realise how Southern-centric
1: in terms yes. of accent yeah. audiobooks
0: are. Like English English language books, if, they're, if they have an English accent, are often... And a southern english accent mm. and um, and and this is Holiday Granger, who has a northern accent and it's um, and the the woman who it's about um, the narrator she's um, around thirty years old she's a really high flying lawyer she also happens to have grown up in a household uh, where um, she is the eldest of, I think, six or seven children. I can't remember how many. And um, as a teenager, basically things got so horrendous in their house that they, they, they were chained to their beds and she escaped. And she is the one that notified the police and they all got rescued. And they were the subject of, of kind of um, mass media sort mm-hmm. of attention. They've, of course, all their identities were protected because they were children at the time. But so this is years later and, um, and their mother... Has just died in prison. And so it's about this um, the oldest coming back. She lives in New York. She's coming back to England to basically sort out of her mum's estate, which includes the house that they were mm-hmm. locked in. And it's about the siblings kind of all coming together again and work out what's going to happen to this house that these awful things happen to them in. It, it's so good. It's so good. It's not even, I wouldn't say, it's a little bit like, I think if you like crime, then you will like it, but it's not even, I would say, a crime novel, because it's, it's about what happens 15 or 20 years later. What happens to you know, these, these true crimes that we become kind of really ex- sort of fascinated by what happens to those people later yeah. in their lives, you know, what does it do to them? And it's interesting, you know, she goes, you know, you've, you, you hear what all the different siblings have been through since then. And it's all very varied, you know, they've all had really different life experiences. Um, and they all experienced also that trauma very differently. Mm. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's fascinating. And oh gosh, you have to read it because of course, you know this it's also very cultish because the the reason it all happens of course is the father's clearly very mentally ill but um but is um you know has his own fundamentalist church essentially mm. um and so yeah no it's fascinating I think, I
1: think Yeah I've heard really good things about it. As soon as I read the synopsis, I think I read the synopsis ages ago in the bookseller, I was like, oh my goodness, this <laughs> this sounds incredible sounds really good uh much like you i have had a very reading week as well actually i've read loads i don't know what's happened i don't know if it's just that tail end of winter and feeling it's like right thing. soon soon this will be over and i won't have all this time because it's going to be lighter and i'll have to do other things so um, yeah i've been really really enjoying reading i read pew by catherine Lacey this week which i've meant to read for a long time it's about this mysterious individual who we never discover we never discover if they're male or female it's very clever the ambiguity in the book is very smart um, arrives in a, a very religious town in america and it's kind of what happens to them is very very smart so i read that and really enjoyed it and then i read the silence by don DeLillo, which is amazing very short uh very brilliant for now because something happens and we don't find out what happens because it just happens so basically there's what looks like a power outage Uh but a complete power outage everything is down phone um tv hospital like uh hospitals aviation systems everything is completely destroyed but it's through the lens of these five individuals um and it's incredible because obviously what happens is just silence falls and so we never discover how it happens we never discover who's done it or anything Ooh. it's it's brilliant. so is it set
0: in the immediate aftermath of it happening it's set
1: yes no it's as it happens so there's um people in a flat watching the super bowl and the power goes off there's a couple and a plane and the plane crashes um so yeah it's set on the day that it (sighs) happens but you but the whole book is very smart because it's uh the it's set in like typewriter font so what you realize as the reader is that the silence is still there because this book hasn't been written on a computer wow so that's interesting yeah so all the questions remain they were both brilliant books and i would have spoken more about them if i hadn't started to read the divers game by jesse ball and oh my goodness i haven't ever read anything by jesse ball which is like The biggest mistake that I possibly could have made. I'm going to go and order like all his back catalogue. This book is amazing. He is an insanely talented writer. The book is set um, in the future. There are no animals left, which is incredible there's no animals left and it is set in a highly segregated society refugees um have become non-citizens and prisoners become non-citizens as well so they basically have no rights and the people who are citizens walk around carrying canisters of essentially what's poison gas and the gas can do different things uh, to different people Ooh, and creepy yeah and carrying colored uh gas masks that are basically like fashion accessories and it's absolutely brilliant it isn't labored the way that he tells the story is one of the most technically accomplished pieces of storytelling I've had the privilege of reading what he does is amazing because it's very much working within the kind of genre of American minimalism so there isn't very much on Mm. the page okay but what is on the page is doing so much it is an incredibly accomplished book it reminds me a little bit of ben marcus i don't know if you've read ben marcus no. he is amazing i love his work i've got all his novels and short stories it it kind of feeds into the same thing and also jm cattese's the childhood of jesus is that similar um bizarre you realize you're in a different world and you Mm. are constantly as the reader you're constantly unnerved by it it creates this suspense and because there's so much that you don't know but what I love is he doesn't hammer home how we got here he doesn't hammer home very much at all it works as if you're reading a fable more than a novel oh excellent um yeah Yeah. it's just just brilliant I just basically want to say everyone must read Jesse Ball is yeah
0: that sounds so up my street I have to say yeah it does
1: it's very it's very visual as well but again without tortured laborious page long descriptions (laughs) just pithy visual it's very very smart so yeah I'm very excited I love it you know that thrill of when you discover someone that you've not read before
0: oh it's so exciting yeah
1: and then going away and realizing that like a lot of other people know this writer but um yeah guys I have gaps in my lexicon so
0: yeah I have well I mean I feel like I have so many gaps I mean I think mm. you can't not have massive gaps can you really I mean how many books are published every year and how many brilliant books are published every year like, I know just, yeah insane amounts and all we can do is our best
1: (laughs) exactly and just try it and yeah and I think that's why it's so important when you do read something that you love to get really excited and to shout about it because so many books are published and I had someone once ask me why that I'd never post about classics and I was kind of like well because they don't need the royalties either do they you know yeah like we know Dickens they're good. you know yeah, there's
0: a bunch of good ones like, out there there's
1: some really good ones but and and I love classics and I've read a lot of them and I think they're really important and they have their place but in terms of what I get really excited about I definitely get excited about um living writers more because I think that it is so difficult to make a living as a writer and it's such a precarious um profession that it's kind of our obligation to shout about them and get excited and try and spread the word because everyone needs to be able to afford to eat i've i've got a book subscription
0: from mr b's emporium in um bath and it was it's surprise subscription so you Mm -hmm. fill out this really long form which is so much fun to fill out about all of what you love to read and what you want to read more of what you want to know more of and what you definitely don't want and then you get a surprise book every month. Yeah. And this month I got, um and I'm I'm going to start it this week. Uh, Tessa Hadley's The Past, and I'd never read Tessa Hadley before. And um, and I put a picture on my Instagram stories, and like, like five people messaged me, going, "Oh my god, that book's amazing!" And I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah, see, I wouldn't necessarily yeah. have." You know, picked it up. So I would highly recommend a book subscription if you really do need help choosing your books um I don't I really don't need help but um it's still like just so fun to get a surprise book
1: yeah I signed up to um Galley Beggars Press they're an indie and um well an indie publisher and I signed up to their buddy scheme so I pay so much every month and then I get like paperbacks of their new releases through uh different times of the year and that's such a surprise as well because oh, you never so know fun. what you're going to get and they're always beautifully wrapped and the attention to detail is lovely but yeah that's also this a similar kind of thing of that excitement of Ooh, who's this yeah i like that
0: right Well, um that's i think um probably long enough for one day yeah I think um, <laughs> uh, so um we should end it there um and we'll uh, see you all next week. Exactly.
1: Bye. You've been listening to Not Too Busy to Write with Ali Miller and Penny Windsor.
0: You can find show notes, including the best ways to get in touch with us, as well as any reading recommendations mentioned in the episode at write.com.
1: And if you're enjoying the show, don't forget to subscribe. And please, go ahead and leave us a little review. It really helps others to find the podcast.
0: You can find Ali on Instagram at Ali underscore Miller underscore rights and Penny at Penny
1: Music and editing is by Ewan Miller-McWeekin.